Hi everyone and welcome to this week's podcast episode with the absolutely gorgeous Terry. Terry is also known as the Sober Nutritionist and that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome Terry, it's so good to have you here. Well, I'm delighted to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me and it's wonderful to meet you, Gail. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited about today's um, program because nutrition is such a hot topic, I think, in the world of sobriety. Uh, For my own personal journey, when I quit drinking, I started eating cake, which is obviously not the best thing in the world to do, but it it helped me at the time. Um, And since then, I have tried to think about and look at more healthy ways of, you know, satisfying what my body needs. I don't know if you know, but my husband had a stroke not so long ago. So we had to change our entire diet, which is why, you know, nutrition is really interesting to me at the moment. Um, But before we kind of get into, you know, all of the amazing things that you're here to talk about today, how did you come to be the sober nutritionist? Let us know. Yeah, well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. I actually was just like so many of us, you know, drinking uh, socially for all the things, just feeling like alcohol was very important in my life. And Mm -hmm. I was just going along. And then, you know, I started to realize the more and the longer I drank and the older I got, it just wasn't working. And there just was a lot more impact physically, mentally, emotionally. And I just was in this really challenging place where I thought, I don't want to drink this much. And so this was, it's been seven years for me now. So seven years ago, you know, um, I tried all the moderation things and Mm -hmm. I thought that was really the only way out. And what I discovered was that it just was exhausting. You know, I was constantly, you know, battling back and forth with how much I was drinking. And it just, finally, I got to a point where I was miserable drinking And I Mm. thought I would be miserable not drinking, but Mm. I thought, well, I could always go back. (laughs) And so I literally decided to stop. And I actually, you know, just told myself, like, I'm done with alcohol. Mm. I don't drink anymore. That's in the past. I don't, I'm not going to drink anymore. And that was really scary. I didn't know anybody really that didn't drink. I didn't know the impact it would have. Mm. I didn't really have any program that I followed. Uh, I think Annie Grace, I'm a certified This Naked Mind coach. So I trained under Annie Grace and Mm. she wrote a book called This Naked Mind that would have been perfect. But I think one time we did the math, Gail, and her book was published that like the same month that I decided to stop drinking. So it was nowhere on my radar. Like I didn't even know it was a thing. I wasn't even doing any research. I just thought I have to stop. And so I did. And what happened for me was I had so much time and energy and that was good and bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it felt amazing to have clarity, but I was also really wound up all the time. I just like had nervous energy, too much energy. And I thought I need a project. I've Mm -hmm. got to have something to do with all these hours of the day. And so I went to nutrition school. 
And I became a certified functional nutritionist. And that started really my journey toward better health, exploring the impact that alcohol has when it comes to our body. And I've really come full circle. And Mm -hmm. so the sober nutritionist is not only what I do, but it's really who I am. Yeah. Wow, that's so inspiring. Had you always been interested in in nutrition or did, you know, this come out of your alcohol-free journey? Yeah, I actually, I was, I, I considered myself a wellness enthusiast. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like yeah. I was doing all of the things that you read about, like, you know, let's do juicing and let's have more fiber. And I actually worked for, um, I was a, um, a representative for a little company that had some nutrition products. Mm-hmm. So I would gather my group of friends and say, let's do this 30 day cleanse and I'll sell you all the products and, you know, we'll do this journey together. But it was always, challenging for me to stop drinking for 30 days and for the people that I gathered together they'd be like what do you mean we can't drink for 30 days and so while I was really intrigued to create better health myself I wasn't even considering that alcohol was having the impact that it did so while I was excited about and and enjoying learning about my health I had I really didn't have any basis of reality yeah, that's so interesting because often when we want to make a change, we look at, oh, I'll just do yoga or I'll work more, I'll walk more or I'll work less or I'll eat better, but stop drinking. No, that's not going to do anything. And it's normally the thing, the big thing that changes everything. Um, so tell us about, because you said, you know, wanting to do this 30-day juicing and cleansing but then there was alcohol in in the way so how does alcohol kind of get in the way of you know the nutrients we absorb and being healthier from a nutritional point of view Mm, yeah that's a great question so you know one of the things that happened for me was I went to nutrition school and I thought everyone I thought these are my people they won't be drinking like they got to realize that this is not a good match and they it wasn't true you know this was in 2016 uh early 2016 that I started my nutrition school and everybody almost everybody still drank and they justified it as well, low sugar alcohol, or I just mod, you know, I drink occasionally. Mm-hmm. And there was really no, you know, no training around the impact of alcohol. And so what I learned was uh, research from, you know, on my own. And then later when I connected with Annie Grace, she had done a lot of scientific research. But what's fascinating is that our, you know, the cultural message out there is that alcohol is okay in moderation or, Mm -hmm. you know, red wine is heart healthy or, you know, um, Mm -hmm. it's not a problem as long as you drink within these guidelines. And the truth that is really covered up is that alcohol impacts every system in our body and it impacts digestion. It impacts our immune system. It impacts our cardiovascular health. It impacts our brain, our sleep, you know, alcohol is related to seven different cancers the most alarming is breast cancer. And we see a huge increase in the risk of breast breast cancer for women who drink 
even what we would consider a moderate amount. And so, you know, there really is this interesting, you know, place where we're, as a culture, we're justifying really drinking something that is very, very damaging to Mm -hmm. every system in our body. And people just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe we kind of do know, but because it's so, as you said, intertwined with our culture and our society and we use it for everything, we don't want to look at it in that way. We don't really want to see that. Um, And it is only when we stop drinking, you know, for me anyway, it was like, oh, wow. You know, why didn't I see this before everything comes clear? And it is crazy. Why would I... I don't know, make myself drink a green smoothie every morning, but yet have a bottle of wine every night. Where's, you know, the sense in that? Um, Because it does offset all the goodness that we're doing if we're trying to eat healthily. Um, So how, you know, how does it affect us on that level? What's the point of, you know, drinking a green smoothie and then only to have wine in the evening you know where's the disconnect with that Mm -hmm. yeah well there's lots of uh different mechanisms that happen when we introduce alcohol into our system so Mm -hmm. you know what's interesting is that alcohol is you know the same chemical makeup as ethanol which is the gasoline that we put in our car yeah. And so, you know, when I remember hearing that, I was like, wait a minute, like what? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't talk about that part. So what happens when we drink alcohol is it becomes toxic in our system mm-hmm. and it actually breaks down into something called acetaldehyde. And it's that's the same component of cigarettes, of, you know, the damaging parts of cigarettes. So while we have accepted as a culture that smoking is dangerous and people should not do it, Mm -hmm. and we have this message now that, ooh, smoking is bad for your health, like stop smoking. We don't have that same message out there yet around alcohol. But what alcohol does is because it's so toxic, our body wants to process it as quickly as possible. What that means is that our body, which is very, you know, um, our body is amazing and really, really resourceful. And so we will shut down other systems in order to prioritize the metabolizing of this acetaldehyde so that it stays in the body for less time. So one of the, right off the bat, one of the things that happens is that we stop digestion. So we put all of our resources from digestion into metabolizing alcohol instead of digesting food. Mm -hmm. And if we think about that, the impact is sort of cascading because what will happen is we eat something, right? And then we often will have a glass of wine or a couple of glasses of wine or three cocktails, and then we'll have a dinner. And Mm -hmm. what's happening then is digestion requires that the food hits our stomach and we start digesting right away. And when we don't, when the food hangs around because the body is prioritizing metabolizing alcohol, we get these impacts of gut dysbiosis. So, you know, belching, bloating, stomach pain, mm. um, indigestion, heartburn, because this, 
stomach is supposed to digest the food really quickly, you know, get it down into tiny little particles and then pass it on to the bloodstream where we get all of our nutrients. So that process stops. It's like a dead stop when we have alcohol in our system. And so as the food hangs around, you know, we get this inflammation, we get this lack of digestion that creates these other effects. We also can be more at risk for leaky gut. And that's something that, um, I don't know if your listeners have heard about leaky gut, but this is where particles of food that are too big pass into the bloodstream. And that's where the root of a lot of those autoimmune diseases happen. So right off the bat, when we think about, you know, alcohol, just just think about it, disrupting digestion. Mm -hmm. And then there is this downward spiral of things that can happen. Yeah, yeah, wow. So that's why... You know, if we had a big night out, maybe, and we've been drinking as well as eating a lot, we go to bed and we're kind of bloated and uncomfortable. And we often say, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had that bit of chocolate cake or whatever, when actually, yeah, <laughs> it's not the chocolate cake fault. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's ex- that's exactly right, Gail. And it's fascinating. I noticed this myself. I went to this really fancy restaurant. Um, I live in Northern California. And so the capital of Sacramento, we have this amazing Michelin star restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so it has, you know, like restaurants do, it has a wine pairing menu with the courses of dinner, right? Mm -hmm. And so several years ago, I think it was five years now, I went with my family and three or four of the people with us got the wine pairing and the food was so amazing. It was very rich. And we had course after course, after course, after course. And I just recognized that if I had been drinking, I would have not enjoyed the food at all. Mm. I would have had this place where the food was like, you know, I would have blamed the food and said, oh, the food was too rich. Uh, you know, I, I shouldn't have overate uh, too much dairy, you know, whatever excuse I would have made. But yeah. without the alcohol, now when I go out and eat something that used to be too rich, my yeah. body can process it because it's not being disrupted by this toxin. Mm, yeah, yeah. Wow. I do find that food just tastes so much better now that I'm not drinking, obviously. Um and I kind of enjoy eating again. It's like what you just said there about the experience of being in that restaurant and, you know, really enjoying the food. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why is it then? Is it because of that enjoyment or is it because we're lacking something or our body's yearning for something that when we stop drinking, we do tend to use food as a way to help us? with cravings and and things like that um you know I'm not the only one who turned to cake when I quit drinking so why Mm -hmm. is that Terry and how can we do that in a healthy way yeah well I think there's really two parts so one is this kind of emotional piece that we see that is tied in with kind of the same reasons that we drank. And then the other piece is the actual mechanism of how sugar and alcohol both kind of hijack 
our brain and the neurochemicals. So let's talk about this emotional piece first. So when I work with people and they're making a change in their diet, um, I have a program that I teach. Uh, I didn't write it, but a curriculum that helps people take a break from sugar. Mm -hmm. And when people are trying to stop eating sugar, and it's just for, we just stop eating for a few weeks and we stop eating sugar, but what'll happen is the body is trying, or the brain is saying, well, you know, um, I eat sugar when I'm bored, when I'm lonely, when I'm, you know, want to be distracted, when I feel stressed. Mm -hmm. And so part of the you know, stopping eating sugar, part of what we need to pay attention to is what do I really need? I probably don't need cake, but no. I'm so used to distracting myself or numbing myself or looking for something to make me, you know, to change this mood that I'm in. Yeah. So we drink for a lot of those same reasons. When we're mm. over drinking alcohol, it's often we're bored, we're stressed, we're lonely, we're trying to relax or we're literally trying to escape from whatever emotion we're feeling. And so when people are changing their diet, it's often those same emotions that we're trying to escape. And so the first thing is to just be aware. If you find yourself in the kitchen eating cake or looking for cake, ask yourself, what do I really need? Like, maybe I need to call a friend. Maybe I need to go outside. Maybe I'm just thirsty and need to drink a glass of water. And so awareness is really helpful in just noticing that, wow, I'm starting to use food because I haven't quite figured out how to be in my emotions without the numbing effect of alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And what is it about sugar in particular that makes us reach for that as opposed to, I don't know, kale or something you know yeah. why, why <laughs> wouldn't that be nice yeah, <laughs> yeah so that also is really fascinating at least I think it's fascinating um you know so we think about sugar so sugar is you know the root of sugar is glucose and glucose is that quick source of energy for the body mm. so because of the way we were, we evolved biologically, we need to have access to quick energy because, in, you know, our ancestors had to flee for safety. Mm. Now that's much less common these days, but our bodies are still the same, very much the same as they were in those days when our mm -hmm. ancestors were out of the plains, escaping danger. And so we need sugar as that quick source of energy. And so our body is wired to crave sugar. Like we like glucose and yeah. that's intentional. So the first thing to recognize is like, it's not wrong that you mm -hmm. crave sugar. Mm -hmm. It's not wrong because we want to have that access to that quick energy. Protein and fat also provide energy, but they're that long, slow, sustained energy. So yeah. if you're on the plains and you need to access, you know, the buffalo is chasing you and you got to get away, mm. you know, you need to access that quick energy. And so that's part of why sugar, it just has such a huge role in how our body works. And mm -hmm. so one of the other things that's really important to know is that when we overindulge in sugar, it's just like alcohol. Our body gets this artificial hit of dopamine. And so dopamine is that wanting molecule. 
So Mm -hmm. our body says, wow, that feels really good. I like this. Do more of that. Mm -hmm. So when we remove alcohol, our dopamine receptors are, you know, when we're over drinking, I should start there. Our dopamine receptors get turned down a little bit because again, remember the body's amazing and really resourceful. So it says, you don't need to create natural dopamine. You're doing this artificial thing every night and you're doing a lot of it. So I'm just going to turn down the dial on those dopamine receptors. Yeah. So we stop drinking alcohol and we're not getting that artificial sense of dopamine. And so we're kind of, our body's kind of looking around going, where's the dopamine? Well, then we eat sugar. We eat sugar, we eat something sweet and our body goes, oh, I remember that. Do more of that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. That we are in this dynamic where I'm missing that artificial high. Oh, I found something to replace it. And I found something that's legal, readily available, and isn't as dangerous as wine because it's food. And so, you know, I just want to say that that's so normal. You are not alone. And most people go through a phase where they're eating more sugar in the beginning. Mm. And if you think about it, it's just part of your body resetting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of sugar and alcohol as well, isn't there? So, well, yes. I mean, alcohol stimulates dopamine, not just because of sugar, because my guess is for most of us, by the time we are over drinking and decide to take a break from alcohol, we're not Mm. drinking six pina coladas, you know, with all the sugar, we're probably drinking like I was straight vodka, which doesn't have a lot of sugar. So the dopamine response from alcohol is chemical as well, but it's not, it's not directly correlated with sugar. We just want to think about dopamine. Dopamine with alcohol, dopamine with sugar. And so Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily sugar that it's not, people think alcohol is really full of sugar, but it's much more about the other chemical parts of alcohol. Okay. So when we stop drinking and we're craving, it's really the dopamine hit that we're craving, not the actual alcohol, certainly not the sugar. It's that, that dopamine hit. We want to feel good, don't we? We don't want to feel rubbish like we're feeling right now yeah I mean that's certainly part of it there are other parts as well as just like the habit and the um you know the way that alcohol affects other parts of our body as well but when we think about you know the the dopamine so when we don't overindulge in sugar or we you know get to a place where we're cutting back in sugar and we're starting to get those dopamine receptors start to come back online and so then we start to feel kind of those natural highs and lows again so then you know joy and you know seeing a little child laugh or watching a funny puppy video you know all of a sudden Mm -hmm. we feel kind of that bubbling up of like oh, that's a natural rush of dopamine or giving your partner a hug that, you know, brings out dopamine. And so it's very different than the huge spike that we're used to. Mm -hmm. And we have to give our body time to reset and to start to balance that dopamine. And it's not just sugar. People can, you know, we can find ourselves binging on you know, television or online shopping or, Mm. you know, other things that where we get that hit of dopamine. And so we really want to pay attention to is, am I artificially stimulating all of this? Am I 
you know, just consuming and consuming and consuming, or am I actually cultivating pleasure? Mm -hmm. Am I paying attention to what brings me those moments of that natural high? Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I, you know, work a lot with clients and that's often the thing that we look at first. What is it that really brings me joy? What do I enjoy doing? How can I feel good again and it can be things like hobbies that they've forgotten or just I don't know listening to a favorite song or um, eating something that they really enjoy that they haven't eaten for a long time and all of those things because we're not doing them when we're drinking and we've forgotten how good they make us feel and often we have to as you said retrain ourselves to enjoy the things that we used to enjoy now that alcohol is not providing all of the the joy um and how can we use food and nutrition to help us especially in the beginning so we don't want to eat cake unfortunately all the time but what can we eat how can we feel good and nourish ourselves at the same time yeah, that's such a powerful question and so important to pay attention to the impact that food does have. Yeah. So first of all, celebrate if you are somebody who has cut back on drinking or stopped drinking, just celebrate like, wow, mm -hmm. I am doing something that's so marvelous for my body. Like my body is going to start to recover and it, there, this is going to make a difference. And just yeah. acknowledging like, this is going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. You know, this is something that I also take my clients on this journey. Like, you know, we, we need to acknowledge that this is a powerful thing and your yeah. body initially is going to go through some gentle or not so gentle detoxification. Mm -hmm. And so we want to do some things in the beginning that help our body. And a lot of times people will come to me as the sober nutritionist and they'll want me to tell them all the supplements to take. And I tell them you should be taking zero supplements right now. Yeah. We need to allow our body time to naturally reset. And one of the things that it's important to pay attention to is that our liver is impacted when we're drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't have fatty liver or any you know, damage to your liver, hopefully not, it still has taken a lot of toll on the liver because the liver is the main detoxification organ. And so all of the acetaldehyde is being processed through the liver. Yeah. And so when we think about taking supplements, they also have to be broken down through the liver. And oh, so wow. we want to pay attention that we're not burdening the liver until okay. it has time to kind of repair and reset and get some restoration. Mm -hmm. So we kind of want to have this intentional break from asking the liver to do a lot of work. The other thing that happens, I don't know if this happened for you, Gail, but when I was drinking, I, you know, I had headaches. I felt like crap all the time. And so I took a lot of, you know, um, acetaminophen and um, ibuprofen. That yeah. is also very hard on the liver. Now so I never get headaches. Like, I think I might take one ibuprofen a year, if that much. Yeah. You know, I'm almost never need to, but we yeah. want to, we want to just know that we want to go gently in the beginning because we're going to allow our body to do some of this detoxification gently. Mm -hmm. And so we want to start with things that will help with detoxification. So, uh, first of all, hydration, like water is huge. 
just filtered water. And one of the things that I like to have my clients do uh, is to put a little bit of high quality Himalayan salt in their water. And the reason we do this, yeah, the reason we do this is because alcohol depletes nutrients, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, because we're not processing food normally, we're not absorbing all the nutrients. We get very depleted in those trace minerals and trace minerals are those, they're not the big like calcium and um, those things, but we're depleted in like manganese and these tiny little um, micronutrients that we need. And so that comes from salt, salt, high quality salt, not iodized salt, but regular salt has over 90 trace minerals. And so just help your body get back into balance by having just a pinch or two in your jug of water or your large container of water a day. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to help your body start to gently get back on track, absorb things. And of course, water is going to help flush out those toxins. Yeah. Then we also want to pay attention to eating less junk food to allow our gut to start healing. We want to try to eat as few, as little processed food as we can. Just think nutrient dense, whole food. So Mm -hmm. things that don't come from a package thing, you know, uh, try to eat as healthy, healthy as you can in the beginning. And you want to emphasize protein, um, because our v- all our B vitamins get depleted from alcohol consumption. And so protein is going to be our friend. So healthy, you know, um, organic protein and lots of water. And then just gently, you know, paying attention to your gut resetting. Because again, the inflammation in the gut and the lack of digestion you might need a little bit of time to just get back on track. And so uh, again, I don't really like to have people do probiotics in the beginning because I want to make sure that they're just using whole food. Mm. So probiotic rich food, certainly we want to look to fermented foods to help the gut balance again. And the overconsumption of alcohol kills off a lot of that healthy bacteria. Mm -hmm. So having a variety of food, having a lot of fiber, and then having that fermented food. And fermented food can be um, sauerkraut, kimchi, miso, yogurt, kefir. That'll really help get your gut back on track. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's about eating naturally and all the colors and as fresh as possible and yeah protein and does it matter Terry if it's plant protein or animal protein yeah well I mean the thing about um and I don't want to start a debate with you know vegans and um (laughs) meat eaters but you know the the thing about um protein in the animal form is that it's more bioavailable to our body So it's a little bit more challenging for our body to get and break down protein from non-animal sources. Because again, if we go back to the way we were designed to our ancestors, they were meat eaters, right? They were omnivores. So, you know, our body knows how to break down protein from meat. It can break down protein from plants. So if you are a vegan or a vegetarian, that's fine. Just pay attention to protein sources. Mm-hmm. If you are eating animal protein, that's going to be great as well. Okay. Okay. And what about, um, well, two things just before we go comfort food and also festive holiday food, uh, obviously 
food, as we talked about before, is such an emotional thing. And when we're feeling down, then we turn to food for comfort. When we're celebrating and we're happy, we often celebrate with food. Um, I personally, if it's, you know, one of my kids has got a cold or they're not very well, then I make a big thing of chicken soup or minestrone soup or something warming and comforting. And similarly, if it's a birthday or a celebration, it's always like, what are we going to eat? Um, so what's your favorite healthy comfort food? Mm. And how can we, you know, with Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and things coming up, how can we celebrate healthily with good food so we don't feel like we're missing out on that as, as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one of the things to pay attention to and just to know is that our food system, certainly in the Western world, has been really hijacked. You know, they have hijacked our palate. If you think about it, everything is super sweet, super salty, super sour. I used to work in a high school and kids would come in with a bag of hot flaming Cheetos. And it's like, why do we need to have them hot and flaming? Like, why is everything so extreme. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we can think about as we reduce that processed food and that excess sugar, we can reset our palate. So natural flavors taste more Mm. exciting. And, you know, when you haven't had sugar, when I take people on this sugar detox, if they haven't had sugar for three weeks, then they can eat something that normally would be sour, like a grapefruit or a tart green apple. And it tastes like so sweet. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so delicious. You know, I'm thinking about the grapefruit. My mouth is watering right now. But when we are eating candy, that's, you know, full of chemicals and has that super, super sweet flavor, or we're eating a lot of excess sugar, just like, you know, oh, I had, I have cookies and donuts and I'm eating, you know, a lot of simple carbs that are breaking down into sugar. Mm. It's really hard to enjoy those flavors. And so we don't get very excited. It doesn't even feel like comfort food. And so I love to help people get back their natural palate. Let's get back to food tasting like food. And Mm. then we can say, wow, the Brussels sprouts with almond and spices and bacon was amazing. Like I don't need cake because that was amazing. (laughs) And, you know, people often say like, oh, as a nutritionist, you know, your diet must be so restrictive. And I'm like, no, I'm a foodie. Mm. I want people to love and enjoy food, but we have to get back to what does food taste like? We are so hijacked with our palate. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, we can start exploring new foods and Mm. just ask ourselves like, oh, you know, like my family a few years ago fell in love with pomegranate salsa. So we think about salsa as being tomato based. Right. But for the holidays right now, it's in at least where I am, we have pomegranate season. Mm. So we'll have lots of pomegranates and that's not something we eat all the time. And so just allowing yourself to try new seasonal foods and, mm-hmm. you know, and stop thinking about comfort food only in sweets. Like you said, I love what you said, like chicken soup can be comfort food. Yeah. And then again, going back to that very first reason that we might overeat sugar, let's ask ourselves, like, what do I, what am I seeking? What comfort am I seeking? Mm-hmm. If I'm ill, food makes sense. But if I'm lonely, 
maybe I just want to call Gail. (laughs) You know, maybe I don't need comfort food. Yeah, maybe I don't need the Kit Kat. I just need um, to call a friend and or have a bowl of soup. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. And I think it is a lot to do with getting back that awareness. Because when we're drinking, we're not really aware of anything, are we? We're just kind of rushing through the day and then numbing out at the end of it. And like you said in the beginning, a lot of it is just habit. We automatically find ourselves in front of the fridge at nine o'clock because that's what we've always done. So it is a lot to do with awareness and slowing down maybe is it's part of it as well. Do, have you found that you've kind of slow down a little bit now that you stop drinking and you're more tuned in to what's going on around you mm-hmm. when when I work with people with eating and overeating over drinking really mm-hmm. uh this idea of over drinking you know we can we start sometimes when I am helping people on this journey we don't necessarily start with okay now you're working with an alcohol freedom coach you have to come to me and no drinking. Sometimes we start with mindful drinking. Like let's start paying attention to when you want to drink and what's behind it and what Mm -hmm. are you seeking in the moment. And so we do the same with eating, mindful eating. So you're exactly right. We slow down and we stop and we say, am I really hungry? Mm -hmm. Like what? Or, Or if I didn't eat enough protein and fat in the last meal, Maybe I just need to adjust lunch and have a little more protein at lunch, you know, and one of the things that you said, kind of standing in front of the fridge at wine o'clock, we can really help ourselves early in this journey by getting our blood sugar balanced. Mm. And so people will often come, I'm sure you've experienced this too, Gail, and they're like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to join the gym. And those are all great goals, but it can lead to just too many things going on at once. And so, you know, if we can really just start paying attention to, you know, how do I balance my blood sugar so I don't have cravings? So in the beginning, I often tell people, you know, you're going to eat a little more often to make sure you don't get that blood sugar crash. And then your body says, oh, you got to get out of this state. So either eat sugar, which is going to create a bigger crash or have Mm. some alcohol because now the alcohol whiny voice is really, really loud. So even having a little protein snack right at five o'clock or whatever your witching hour is Mm. can be very helpful in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, One of my clients did that. We changed from you know, her three meals a day or whatever it was to, I think it was five or six, but like smaller meals. And she said, wow, such a difference after maybe a couple of days, even it was that quick. Um, Because I would imagine of the leveling out of the blood sugar, so you don't get the big, you know, the spikes and then the the crashes. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's sustainable as well. Because what you said before is so true. Well, I just had a call with a client about that. Go to the gym, stop running, you know, stop drinking, do all of this. And then it's like, it's it's not sustainable. You can't, you can't do it. Um, so what would be your top tips then, Terry, 
four gentle, sustainable um, ways to use nutrition to help us when we're not drinking. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, and I'll, I'll include, if I may, um, take license to include a little bit of lifestyle in this too. So in yeah. the beginning, think about when you're letting go of alcohol is almost like you have a little bit of the flu. And so how would you treat yourself? You would rest more. So prioritize resting, slow yeah. down, maybe don't do the high intensity exercise in the beginning, but just do gentle exercise, walking, stretching, yoga, allow yourself to take more breaks and check in with your body, right? Like, mm. Okay, I'm starting to feel all like me. I was all amped up, you know, like, what do I need to do? Okay, doing something physical. I want to bring down my nervous system regulation. I don't want to be, you know, um, have too much cortisol and adrenaline in my body. Yeah. And so when we think about sugar, that also is going to increase that cortisol and adrenaline because of blood sugar regulation. So think about eating things that are lower sugar, whole food. Um, sometimes for people, if your gut is really kind of going back and forth, if you're experiencing a lot of, you know, um, changes in your gut, we can even think of cooked vegetables, just gent gentler on the digestion. So if we think mm -hmm. about prioritizing digestion. I maybe want to eat smaller meals more often to allow my body to digest properly. You know, your liver is getting back into helping your body with everything in the process of digestion. Liver mm -hmm. is one of the main organs that helps with blood sugar regulation. So try to cut back on you know, eating just simple carbs without protein and fat. So try to make sure you have a little protein and fat with every meal mm -hmm. to keep that blood sugar balance going. And then of course the water with a little bit of salt mm -hmm. and, you know, then your body is going to start to do the repair that it does. Your body knows how to get back into balance, back into homeostasis. And then just allow yourself to you know, go gently and know it's going to take a little bit of time. And the other thing I think is really powerful is if you're on this journey for four, six, eight weeks, um, start paying attention to, you know, what's happening with my body. Um, if things are not coming back into balance, if you're still having a lot of digestive discomfort, if you're not sleeping, if you're having a, a suddenly noticing a lot of aches and pains headaches didn't go away. There's, if there's other symptoms, check in with your doctor. It's really important because when we're drinking, there's a whole lot of things going on where we don't feel good. And it's like the check engine light is on, but we're not paying any attention. So yeah. when you, if you stop drinking and the check engine light doesn't reset, go to your doctor, just get some preliminary labs, find out maybe if there's something underlying. Don't be afraid to go because again, you're doing a beautiful, amazing thing by allowing your body to get rid of this toxin and it wants to come back into balance. So just check in if you notice that check engine light's still on. Yeah, yeah. I love that when you said we are doing a, a really amazing thing for ourselves and our bodies because often we come at this from a place of shame or guilt and automatically we're hard on ourselves and we're feeling deprived and like we're missing out and punishing ourselves and I do agree if we can just you know switch the thinking around it and see it as the amazing wonderful positive thing that it is then that's just going to help 
so much with everything. I do believe that. Um, so thank you for for sharing that. It's so important that we do see this as a as a good thing, an empowering thing, and a lovely thing as well. Um, so just before we go, one last thing then, Terry. Um, what is it that you love most about living alcohol free? I think, you know, for me, I think about this vibration that we put out in the world. And mm. when we are over drinking and we're carrying a lot of guilt, maybe even shame, and we're beating ourselves up and we're just not experiencing those natural highs and lows of life. Yeah. Uh, I think we're at this low vibration. Mm. And what I love is I have just seen my vibration and so many others. I've been fortunate in the work I do to come alongside thousands of people. And I see that vibration raise. Yeah. And when we have a high vibration, you know, the universe is going to respond in that mm. energy. And so it's just like we get to be a magnet for the things that we really want in our life. Yeah. So instead of life feeling small, life feels just so expansive. Mm. And that's been the most beautiful thing. I mean, these seven years have been incredible. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Such a brilliant way to end. Thank you, Terry. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, it was so fun to be here. And I hope um, I hope your audience is intrigued about what they can do, just small little things with nutrition. And again, just being excited about like, this is the ultimate wellness journey. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is. It is. Absolutely. And if anybody's got any more questions for you and they want to know more about, you know, using nutrition to help them in this journey, where can we find you? Yes. Well, thank you uh, for asking. I am the sober nutritionist. That is my Facebook and my website. And yeah. then Terry at the sober nutritionist is my Instagram. And that's where I hang out mostly. And I have programs for people who are looking to bring nutrition into their awareness after alcohol. Mm -hmm. I work with one-on-one -on -one clients. And then I also have a brand new program for women who have stopped drinking and are ready to just kind of go to the next level. Oh, brilliant. Well, we put all of that in the, in the show notes so people can contact you if they want to know more. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you for the opportunity, Gail. It was lovely meeting you. Oh, my pleasure.